Welcome to the CX Impact Podcast. Speed up your customer experience success. The CX Impact Podcast is brought to you by Gemseek, your trusted analytics advisor, helping you predict what your customers will do next. Hello, everybody. I'm Omchu Baskov, host of the CX Impact Podcast and CX Champion at Gemseek. I hope you liked the previous episode of the podcast. If you haven't heard it yet, you can find it on Spotify, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Customer experience management technology market is growing rapidly. A few years back, many new players were stepping in the market filling in different niches. For example, platforms specialized in particular industry, B2B versus B2C, insurance, telco, etc. Or platforms operating in a specific region, or even platforms targeting specific company size. What we see recently, it's really a consolidation in the market. Many of the market leaders acquire or join forces with other competitors to get bigger market share and speed up innovation. Still, there are many market players which makes it hard to select the platform which answers your needs. Today, we'll discuss the future of the market and we provide actionable insights to CX managers on how to choose the right platform, how to make a successful implementation and how to achieve high adoption rate and improve the platform ROI. I'm very lucky to have today as my guest, David Hinhan. David is a founder and CEO of CX Indies, a voice of the customer platform based out of Dublin, Ireland. During his career, he has worked for companies such as Credit Suisse and United Drug. Back in 2012, he co-founded CX Indies in Dublin, Ireland. CX Indies is a world-class solution with customers from a myriad of sectors across the globe. According to Gartner, it's one of the leaders in the space based on their vision and strategy. David, thanks for being on the CX Impact podcast. Thank you very much for having me, Manchil. It's a pleasure to be here. I think a good starting point would be to tell me more about your path to CX, as none of us, I think, started their career in customer experience, and why you have selected the field. Yeah, that's a good question, Manchil. I suppose if I go back to my education, I had done a master's in business strategy following a business degree, and I was always interested in business strategy and, you know, how, how businesses worked and competed and Porter's Five Forces and all that type of stuff. Um, and one of the things that, you know, I understood was, I suppose, that businesses compete on three things, price, operation efficiency and customer experience. Now, having this understanding, I went, I ended up going in a different direction in terms of my career. It wasn't I initially had an idea to go into management consultancy, uh, but I ended up actually working as a trader in an investment bank. But I found working as a trader really an interesting uh, time in terms of some of the technologies we were using to help us bet on the performance of businesses were actually really you know, quite advanced. And I was looking at some of the companies that we were investing in and taking positions on, and I, I thought that some of the, the technology decision-making tools, I didn't think they had the same level of capability. But then I went back to my sort of strategy days and I understood that with businesses competing on price, operation, efficiency and customer experience, a lot of these corporates were actually competing on customer experience. And in order to measure that, it's a lot more intangible. But I thought there was some, an opportunity there to actually take some of the learnings that I had from financial markets and trading and to try and apply that to help businesses make better decisions around customer experience. And I didn't re realize at the time that there was a whole burgeoning industry around this. So basically I uh, went, went off and understood then that there was a whole market around here and there was a lot of players in it, but it was still in its infancy. 
So I thought that we could bring something fresh and interesting to that, a different perspective. My background isn't technology, it's more around strategy. And I wanted to imply uh, some of the things that I'd learned to help people make better decisions around customer experience. So it was more, it just felt like the right thing to do. And then we just built a technology company around it. And we've, what we've landed in is an industry where there's a huge amount of competitors, but there's a huge amount of opportunity as well. And it's a really interesting space to be. Yeah, absolutely. It sounds like a very exciting journey. I haven't heard of uh, anybody coming from uh, this background into CX. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, but you mentioned also the strategy piece, which uh, comes quite nicely together. And uh, the fact that you've been also playing, I guess, with a lot of numbers. And uh, this is also a big thing as many of the CX professionals that I'm talking with, they come really from uh, customer service support or marketing background, and they're really not so strong in this part of it. Yeah, I think it's a good it's a good angle to come at it from because it, at the end of the day, it's all about making decisions, making better decisions for your business, making better decisions for your customers. And you know, I didn't necessarily come from a customer service background. I came from a background of making decisions, and and that's what I'm trying to bring to the whole area of customer experience. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think that currently, more than ever before, you need a customer experience management platform, especially after the COVID nineteen crisis and the fact that customer wishes and behavior have changed dramatically. What are your thoughts about this one? Yeah, that's actually a good question. I think COVID, the pandemic, it's been interesting actually to see the fallout from it. Uh, only last week, uh, Gartner produced uh, their research and, the, and they inter- I think they interviewed uh, in January of this year, pre-COVID, 238 uh, CX program leaders in North America, Western Europe and Asia Pacific. And they interviewed people who had a, a strong knowledge of customer experience. And interestingly, they found that the percentage of CX projects making use of information technology would increase from 58% in 2019 to 68% in 2021. So there's going to be a massive move increase in the emphasis on using technology for customer experience. But what they had to do, because the pandemic came along, they had to go ahead and sort of redo this research again because to see if the COVID had an impact. And interestingly, 60% of the respondents recontacted after the spread of COVID-19 say that the investment of, uh, in technology for CX improvement and projects would increase in 2020. So it hasn't been negatively impacted by COVID in terms of investment. So the, the research which suggests that if you don't invest in CX and CX technology at the moment, you will get left behind. Uh, another thing I was reading last week as well is that Amazon, they published their basically uh, Jeff Bezos had to make a statement in front of about the company's business practices in front of lawmakers last week. He had a written statement to Congress. And the whole thing last week, his statement was peppered with information around customer experience and how important and, you know, integral it is to their strategy. And basically, when you have someone like Jeff Bezos, who's effectively, you know, probably the most successful businessman in the world at the moment. If you read this statement to Congress, it's available online. The whole thing is about Amazon's obsessive customer focus. And basically, when the whole market is increasing their investment in the space, as per the Gartner research, and then when Amazon's uh, statement to Congress last week centers fully on you know, how empathy, emotional intelligence, customer trust have been essential to uh, Amazon's growth in the market, when these type of things are happening, it shows you that like, if you don't invest in CX, uh, and CX technologies, you're going to get left behind because businesses, it's that the argument has been won. Businesses know that if you don't compete on customer experience, you're going to have lower customer retention, higher customer churn, all of these types of things. But the, the argument's now been reframed. If you don't do it, you're going to get left behind. So it's, it's like, I don't think it's a choice people have. I think it's something you have to do. 
Absolutely, totally agree. And uh, it's just a matter of time for companies who already haven't adopted one to go ahead and do it and to start collecting, understanding and acting on um, customer feedback in real time. Okay, and uh, as I mentioned in the intro, and you also mentioned that there is a high demand, but also many market players. What will be your recommendations for companies how to select the right vendor? Yeah, actually, if you know, if I was in CX practitioner's shoes and I was working in CX within an organization, you have a difficult choice to make because according to the Voice of the Customer Vendor Guide last year from Gartner, there's over a thousand companies selling some kind of survey or Voice of the Customer product globally. And they, they reckon there's a hundred or so, you know, that have capabilities to deliver an end-to-end -end -end Voice of the Customer solution with 30 leading the way based on their vision and technology. And I'm glad to say that CX Index is included in that cohort of 30. But the, many of the solutions that they mentioned, they say, are viable and they shouldn't be discounted just because they're smaller in scale. So, first of all, there's, a, there's obviously some larger obvious vendors there, but you don't necessarily, that's not necessarily the right path to go down. So before you select the vendor, the first thing I think you need to do, first and foremost, is make sure you have the executive buy-in, have all your stakeholders on board, you know, communicate that the CX program is going to be part of the strategy because if people aren't bought in and informed and up to speed, you're going to be starting on the back fit. So, so before you select the vendor, make sure you have the buy-in and you have all the, all the stakeholders on board. Maybe even get, a, if you have a very big organization, get a committee, get different representative, representatives from the tech department, representatives you know, from marketing, uh, representatives from the contact center, whatever the case may be. Bring people together. And, and make sure that the, the people in the tech team have a chat with the vendor as well, because you need to ensure that, you know, the technologies can integrate and you don't necessarily, you know, you don't just pick a vendor, you know, just because it sounds like a good vendor. I'd have a chat to a few of the vendors first and make sure that they have the capabilities you need. You need to understand as well, what are the outcomes you're looking to achieve? And does the vendor have a track record in delivering those outcomes? And then also you know, look at the performance of the vendor in terms of, you know, the, the industry in which you operate. Does the, does, the, does the vendor have experience in that industry? And, and look at the outcomes they've been able to deliver for their customers. I, I'm proud to say that CX Index has a great track record of delivering winning outcomes with, and an industry low level of churn. So it's something that just have a good look and research, but bring stakeholders on board with you when you're doing it as well. Yeah, makes a lot of sense. And uh, I think these are really the, the key steps to go for. We see here different promises from the different vendors. Uh, some of them said that they are very open to do uh, customized solutions, add, for example, additional data sources or so do bespoke dashboards to fit the specific customer needs. Others try to position themselves as being really the most friendly, close to the customer, responding quickly, etc. Third, going to artificial intelligence or text analytics or but many of these things are hard to be proven to the customers upfront. So, and uh, customers uh, really they can't know if you're about to deliver on this. So, if you want to give one advice to them, how to really be sure that they'll be getting what they're buying, what will be this? Yeah, I suppose that's a very good question. They first of all they need to see demos of the platform, and to see demos of the platform in the field that's relevant to them because. You know, as you mentioned, some, sometimes vendors can do a lot of customization and, and historically, and, we, and we, we've, we've got kind of two tracks in CX Index. We've got our sort of enterprise solution and enterprise product where we do a lot of customization and we build uh, our product around the customer's needs. And it's very customizable, but that can take a lot of effort and a lot of work. 
and it's less scalable. But we've done it, and that's one of the reasons we probably have very low churn rates, because we've been very flexible. And you'll find that the smaller vendors tend to be a lot more flexible in what they'll do for you, right? So I would say the Savile Row of CX vendors. And what I mean by that is that's one of the tailors in London, where the, the street where all the tailors are in London. And basically, when you come to us, we will go the extra mile to make sure everything fits perfectly. Now, there's another option where you could go into a Hugo Boss shop and buy the Hugo Boss suit off the rack, and you're going to get the same 42-long suit in hundreds of shops across the globe, and it's going to be a very good suit. <laughs> yeah. But the thing is, do you, do you want to have the exact same thing that's going to be less flexible, or do you want something that's going to be customized around your needs? Now, we've got a new product called CX in its cloud where you can do the off-the-rack thing, but I think a lot of vendors and a lot, a lot of customers, and, and I think where the smaller vendors come into play, uh, the, you know, the ones that aren't necessarily, the, you know, the top three or four well-known ones, I think you'll find that the, the smaller vendors can be a lot more agile in terms of their development teams, in terms of being flexible around what they can deliver with their product for you. So I would, I would make sure that you, you really, when you're looking to the market here, be really careful about what vendor you choose, because there's this whole thing that, you know, Going with the biggest names can be something like, you know, it sounds like the easiest thing to do, but really have a look at the products, have, have a deep examination. I'd say that about Gemseek or CX Index. There's loads of really good vendors out there. Have a look at what they can offer because you'll, you'll be pleasantly surprised, I think, when you look at some of the smaller vendors. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. And the fact that you can have an impact on the roadmap, that's also something that our customers like a lot, that uh, we really take their input for serious. It's not just that they are talking with someone who is like five levels down the ones who take decisions about the roadmap. <laughs> 100%, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and I always tech people involved as early as possible because they need to be confident that they can work with, with the team that you have in terms of technology and stuff like that. But, you know, the way APIs are these days and the way uh, you can integrate so many different platforms so easily, you know, any vendor worth their soul can do all sorts of integrations and, and has, it's only passing data from one place to another. So it should be pretty straightforward to manage all this type of stuff. But it's good to have the tech teams comfortable in the knowledge that they can work together as well, I would say. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Okay. And let's imagine the following situation. Uh, you have done a successful implementation. Everything went perfect. But then suddenly it turned out uh, you did the trainings, onboarding, uh, etc. But uh, the platform usage seemed to be surprisingly low and uh, this happens uh, really over and over again with uh, uh, especially some customers who really they haven't put in place the right processes or people work with the platform how you can really avoid this and make sure that you keep the positive high vibe yeah i'm, I'm glad to say actually this is not something we come across too frequently we, we generally get very high adoption rates and usage of the platform but what i would say is you know this goes back to the, it's not about the technology. This goes back to the culture and the organization. You know, it goes back into having executive buy-in and having all your stakeholders on board. And that's why I said when you're going out to choose a vendor, you need to have all that. Make sure you've got all that boxed off first, because if you don't have that in place, it's going to be difficult to win that after the event, right? So you might get budget and go, great, we've got a CX program. But if you don't have the buy-in and you don't, uh, what you need to do, once you're capturing feedback and running a CX program, you need to continuously feed back all the data from that program to the stakeholders in the organization so they're engaged. And basically, if you find they're not logging in or whatever, and sometimes they mightn't have time, 
make sure you're pushing the data to them. So get reports into their inbox every week or whatever interval, monthly, weekly. And, you know, one trick that you can use, I suppose, uh, if you want to get senior guys looking at it, is make the reports interactive. So then when they're looking at their inbox and they're looking at their HTML email, if they click on a button, suddenly they're in the platform and suddenly they're playing around and engaging with all the data. So there's tricks you can use, but I think it's more of a cultural and strategy thing as opposed to a technology issue uh, that's at hand there. Absolutely, totally agree with you. And uh, we clearly see that, uh, like in most of the customers, where they have in place the proper process and they were really ready to do it, there is a very high adoption rate. But then some organizations who might uh, not have planned it internally as well as uh, or getting all the internal t- team members on board, what you mentioned across department, like from, for example, sales, marketing, product, everyone to be on board, then it takes some time and really you need to prove the value. And what you mentioned, it's, it's really a great advice to provide uh, relevant uh, insights timely and to uh, show the value in real time of uh, the platform and what you're doing. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Mom. So there's, there's a few tricks, obviously, you know them as well, that, you know, to keep people engaged. But like, you know what, if they're not engaged, it's not really the technology issue. It's more of a strategy issue, in my, in my view. That's my, my honest view on it, you know. So it has to be really part of the culture. Does, does the business actually want to compete on customer experience or are they just doing this as, you know, something that is there to, you know, check a box or whatever? Okay, we're doing NPS. We can raise it at the next board meeting. What you need to do is get it really... And what's interesting, actually, if you if you look at the the, uh, the analysis of the customer experience maturity level, they only released it last week, Gartner, but they were saying that, you know, there's different levels of maturity uh, for people in, in terms of where they are in the customer experience journey. And there's only very few, only 15% are what they called level five optimized. But there's a huge, which is a great opportunity for, for the likes of Gemseek and CX Index. There's a huge amount of businesses that are only really starting out in the journey you know, 50% of B2B organizations. This is on a, there's they have five levels in this. They've got ad hoc, which is level one. Level two means they're establishing the CX program. Level three means they're performing in it. They're, they're, they're really in the nitty gritty right in the middle of it. Level four means they're optimizing. And then level five is embedded. Like over 50% of B2B organizations are still only at level one. They're only starting out, it's ad hoc. And uh, 32% of B2C organizations are at level one. So there's a huge opportunity there uh, to help businesses that are still only dipping their toe in. And what you'll find, I think, is that the companies where there's no engagement, a lot of them will still be at level one because they haven't understood the value it can bring. But when there's a greater understanding of the value it can bring, you'll find the engagement levels really increase. And, and you know, that goes back to the culture and the strategy in the business. Yeah, absolutely. And it's really all the, so many companies already adopted, but I think most of them are within really B2C mostly, yeah. retail as well as hospitality, whereas yeah, all the B2B companies, they're just starting this transition. And probably they have only one competitor who is talking about customer experience and they're just realizing that it won't be everything about uh, operations and uh, cutting costs, but they can even charge premium if they improve the experience. Okay, um, one question that we hear very often is what's the ROI of your platform? Definitely here we help our customers to build a tangible business case. We put up front like what we do in terms of increasing customer loyalty, reducing churn, uh, cutting costs to serve, uh, boosting referral sales potentially. But what we see is that then some of uh, six managers, they struggle with getting uh, the actual operational data around this after they start using the platform. I was wondering if you're facing similar challenges and how do you think that uh, six managers can really 
build uh, here, maintain this momentum and to make sure that they prove the RI in front of uh, senior management? Yeah, it's a very good question. What I would say, uh, Mumchil, is that before you start out on any CX program, you need to understand what is what does success look like, right? So what type of business are we in? What is our brand promise? And what types of outcomes are we looking to achieve? So, you know, in many instances, to be good at CX doesn't mean that you're, you know, providing these extra gifts and free things and all this type of stuff, all that fluff. That doesn't really matter to most customers. What most customers want in most scenarios, let's think you're a utility company or let's think you're a mobile phone, whatever the case may be, you're a bank where, you know, providing customer support. The, big, the best outcome for customers in these situations generally is low effort, right? So how are you going to achieve low effort for your customers? So you can look at metrics like customer effort score and first call resolution. And you can understand if you're improving those scores and if you're the number of times that people are getting their issues addressed in the first call as opposed to in the second or third call, great, you're making life easier for the customer so you've got operational efficiencies, but also they're going to be a low effort is highly correlated with loyalty. So, you know, if you understand what your, what your outcomes are, sometimes your outcome could be, you know, in more uh, things like advocacy. So you want the customer to recommend you. So how likely are they rec to recommend you to a friend or colleague? But in an industry where customers aren't churning that much, if you can make the effort low, that's sometimes a better indicator. But if you're obviously in a hotel and you're a four-star, five-star hotel, word of mouth is your, you know, that's your bread and butter. That's how you're going to grow your business. So you need them to go online and to talk about your brand. So understand what your outcomes are and then measure those outcomes. So those outcomes could be increasing the number of five-star reviews in TripAdvisor, or it could be lower number of calls to address issues. So it's all about the strategy within the business and then to work your way back, how do we achieve those outcomes? And then to have measures in place to understand whether or not you're achieving those outcomes. Okay, great, yeah. Thanks a lot, makes a lot of sense. And uh, it would be great really if, if more of the six managers are focused on the outcomes, not so much on the scores, as the scores on their own don't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're- Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I think, I think look at the outcome, are we, how are we getting there and what metrics are, you know, are indicators of those outcomes? You know, we find that a lot of customers are focused heavily on their NPS, which is great because it's obviously a highly correlated with loyalty and it's a good indicator of performance. But it doesn't necessarily always mean that things are improving. You know, you have to understand the business case behind it as well. Are you, you know, are there operational efficiencies happening? Uh, what other things are you looking at in terms of ROI? Uh, so, yeah, looking at scores, it's important to, you know, we know in business if something is not measured, it's not managed. So you need to measure and manage performance. So like, for example, if you're looking at the stock market performance of a company, you're going to look at their turnover and their results, you know, obviously and see how they're doing. But in the same vein, in an NPS program, you're going to be tracking uh, your NPS, obviously, or your customer effort score. But like there's always underlying stuff beyond, you know, be underneath the turnover for a company in the stock market, what things have led to that or what things have led to a greater level of profit. And you need to, that's kind of, uh, you can make an analogy to that with a customer experience program. What are the things that have led to the increase in the NPS? You know, has there been something that's happened that's really beneficial that maybe given you a spike or something unlucky, like, like for example, COVID, that's, that's led to a, a big drop-off for some companies? You know, actually, and conversely, actually, we found in some scenarios, COVID has led to a spike in terms of NPS performance. So it really depends on the context again. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, and one final question uh, or 
two of them, yeah. about the future of the market. As I mentioned in the intro, we see a lot of consolidation. Uh, the big guys, uh, they even become bigger as their mergers, acquisitions, etc. So how do you see the, the future of the market? Well, I think, as you say, like, you know, we obviously saw recently that uh, SAP is letting um, Qualtrics go and, and list of their own, which I think is a great outcome for Qualtrics because it'll give them freedom to have more capital to do what they want and how they want. But yeah, and you've also got the likes of Medallia performing well as well in, in the stock market. But if you look at companies like Microsoft, they've just recently said that they're entering the space. Uh, that, so they had a Microsoft Forms tool and they're, 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 they've got a new thing called Microsoft Customer Voice, which is they're beginning to dip their toe into the market. Salesforce are beginning to dip their toe in the market as well with their own solution. So like the leading VOC platforms have layers of functionality that draw on a variety of skill sets. And, and like, you know, you, you guys have, have built up that through a number of years. We've spent almost a decade building up both product and domain expertise in the arena. So I think there's, you know, the market is ripe for consolidation. There's going to be more artificial intelligence. I think there's always going to be a place for surveys, though. I think you can AI so many different things, but you can't really AI how a customer feels about something. So I think surveys will continuously get shorter as we do more integrations and, and you, you need to ask the customer less because we can make more inferences from the, the underlying data. But it's very hard to AI how a customer feels about something. So I think there's always going to be a place for measuring and capturing that. How, how that evolves through time, I'm not exactly sure, but I, I think the, it's a market that's still got a lot of growth in it left. So I'm really excited to be, to be operating in it, actually. Yeah, we're as well very excited about it. And uh, I think that also some of the really small players probably will go to specific niches that the big guys will never fill in. Yeah. Focusing on specific industries or building functionalities around, um, for example, more around customer impact uh, or as well as there is an option uh, where we can uh, see some of the small players uh, focusing on a specific company size. So, yeah, they will always be needed uh, as uh, what, what you mentioned also that building some bespoke additional solutions on top of that the, the guys will never want to do. So I think that the consolidation will continue, but at the end of the day, there will be also room for a lot of niche players as the industry is really huge. Yeah, I agree with you. So... Good for us, Mamshil. That's good for <laughs> yes, us. Definitely. <laughs> okay. So if you can provide only one advice to the CX leaders, uh, our listeners, how to achieve a bigger impact, what it would be? Well, I suppose, um, like, and I, I kind of alluded to it earlier on, I would just make your life for your customers, make, make life for your customers as easy as possible. Like you don't need the bells and whistles. Customers want simplicity. Uh, the less they contact you, often the better. So you need to figure out how to make that happen. And in order to figure that out, you need a voice of the customer program. So without one of these, you'll, you'll get left behind. So what you need to do is in order to make life as simple as possible for your customers, you need a, a CX vendor in place. So I would uh, obviously suggest that people either go to the likes of a CX index or a GemSeek or certainly have a look at us because, you know, there, there's a lot of value out there in the market. And, uh, you know, we'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. Absolutely. I just want to double that. <laughs> yeah, very good. Okay. I'm pleased that I had as my guest today on the CX Impact podcast, uh, David Hennehan, founder and CEO of CX Index. You can find David's uh, contact details in the podcast uh, comments below. If you want to continue the conversation about anything you heard today or learn how JMC can help you speed up your customer experience success, write us on the CX Impact at jmc.com. Thanks for the inspiring conversation, David. 
Thank you very much, Mumchil. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and uh, we look talk forward to talking to you again soon. Yeah, we should do it again for sure. <laughs> we, I'll get you onto the CX index. We're going to do one of these. So I'll get you onto okay. the CX index. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. Cool. Thank you. Okay. Thanks very much. Bye. If you liked this episode, hit follow and visit gemseek.com to learn more. Let's make an impact on the world of CX together. Thank you for listening.